Brendan O'Connor on RTE Radio 1 with All Care Pharmacy. Need expert advice on your family's health? Speak to us today at All Care Pharmacy, Ireland's largest community pharmacy network. And I'm delighted to be joined now by, I think, one of the most exciting artists to emerge in Ireland in the last decade. Uh, Denise Charlie, you're very welcome. Thank you. That is high praise. I don't know if I deserve all of it. I appreciate you, you it. You absolutely do. And I'm not just saying it because you're there in front of me, I promise. And even so. if you were, I'd appreciate it. Actually. <laughs> you take it anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so what, do I call you a rapper, musician, artiste? Uh, I think whatever you want, as long as you're interested in the art. Like, to be yeah. fair, it doesn't really matter to me. Okay, cool, cool. Yeah. So you've picked some songs for us that have meant something to you in, in your life. We often start by asking people about at home as a kid. Was there a lot of music around the house? There was a lot of uh, gospel music. I grew up in um, in a couple of different places in Kundakan and Chikankata. And in the village that I was in when I was in Zambia and Chikankata, we had like tapes and things that we would have to exchange between the community because it was so it's remote. Cassettes. It was cassettes. Yeah, yeah, it was cassette tapes and it was like some vinyl, but not very much and like videotape. And it was a very limited library. So I know a lot about very specific things. OK, so what was the music being passed around the, the village? What kind of stuff? It was like, it was, you know, it was what you'd expect. It was like your Whitney Houston's, it was your Celine Dion's, it was like, you know, some Sinatra, lots of jazz. Um, But then also you had like musicals uh, were really big, like The Sound of Music. I could tell you that inside and out. Uh, Sister Act, Lauryn Hill, inside and out, because just we would we would like borrow tapes from each other. And so like I would keep it in my house for like a week or two and then I'd have to pass it on to my neighbor, that kind of thing. It's really, really beautiful collage of just sharing things. And then the gospel, where did that come into things? My mom and dad, uh, there was uh, self. Army Church, uh, right next to the hospital that they were helping found and build. And uh, they have just been faith-filled people my whole life. And my mom had a choir and a preschool that she was teaching me through in our house at the time. So she'd invite all the women to come and sing with her. And she'd like, we'd all be singing together as well. And then I'd go to church and I'd be this precocious little three-year-old who's like, we're going to sing Jesus Loves Me today. Yeah. I'm going to lead it. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I don't know. They've always just been really, really great at uh, finding vulnerable songs about devotion and worship. A, a lot of Hillsong, but then uh, there was this tape. A lot of? Hillsong. Like, uh, it's like a Christian label. And then there was this like tape, like Robin Mark in Belfast, live in Belfast. And that okay. was my first tape of Irish music. And it was, it's just a wild journey. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. absolutely. <laughs> I wish and I could Did you, you know you were musical especially? Um, I knew that I loved to sing. I knew, I knew... Um, that my friends would get frustrated with me for humming all the time. And that was my most annoying quirk for a long time. But I didn't have musical aspirations. You know, I, I wanted to be a dancer for most of my life. And then I wanted to be an actress. And then I wanted to be a writer. And then I wanted to be a politician. And then I was like, I don't want any of that. <laughs> it's a weird journey. Huh? What point was the politician point? Oh, that was between the ages of like 12 and 17. I had this existential crisis about how all of my dreams weren't going to make me any money. And they were like super uh, unstable. And I wanted my dad to be able to brag about his 
like high-flying daughter who might be going to the UN, who knows? And so I just like put my head down and I did like the Seroptimist debate team, uh, European Youth Parliament, all of that stuff with designs on being a lawyer or uh, doing some kind of political humanitarian aid work um, in my in my life. Okay, so this but this was kind of to please your dad. Yeah. Yeah, you know, and. Is it, your dad's a doctor, right? He is. He's yeah. a neurologist. He's okay, a so I imagine anyone whose father's a doctor knows you don't rock in and say, by the way, I'm going to be a singer, I'm going to be a dancer. You know, yeah. it took a bit of bravery. <laughs> <laughs> I, I really wanted him to. Uh, and, you know, he's he's actually my biggest supporter. He's yeah. a, He and mom are actually so amazing at believing in me when I don't even believe in the music. But um, I know that they have higher standards for me than I think I have for myself sometimes. Really? Yeah, and one of those standards is stability. They they really powerfully believe that I deserve stability and they are willing to advise me in any way that like seems like they're able to set me up for that. So I know that there's a part of their hearts that's like, go back and do your master's, girl. Please. Just Still. Yeah, yeah. They're like, you've got all these ideas about classical mythology and about like politics and about how that works in your art and in the world. You should just write that down because sometimes a piece of paper is the key that you need to open the door. And here I am being a rebel, like, no, I'll get there with vibes alone. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, oh, but you man. know what? If you pour all that stuff, you know, into music, it'll probably get to more people than writing a dissertation on it. Let's like pl- it. let's play some music. So let's your first choice is Real Love. Yeah. Mary J. Blige. Why this? This was the song I listened to after I got my first kiss. <laughs> and uh, I remember being really shy and like really ashamed of like the fact that it was like at a at a little house party. My parents don't know about this yet. Oh, gosh. Hi, mom and dad. Uh, so we went to uh, a party, like celebrating somebody's uh, graduation or something like this. And it was one of these big events where everyone's your auntie and uncle, but nobody's related to you. Okay. And everybody is also over the age of 50. And I am in a random room with kids who are under the age of 10 and this one guy who's like 16 as well. And he was like really, really, really into me. And I wasn't used to that. And I was just enjoying the attention. And then eventually I found myself alone in this room with him and all the kids were mysteriously gone and he was very sweet about it and he asked me very nicely and very kindly but then he was kind of mean afterwards because he was like oh I got what I wanted so that wasn't a great part uh, but the song Real Love was uh, playing in the in the house yeah. and my aunt had walked in on us <laughs> <laughs> and she saw all of this occurring and she just gave me you know that look where it was like oh you're doing something you're not supposed to be doing yeah. please uh please relax don't bring shame to us and we went into the car and she caught me journaling about how it felt over the shoulders still listening to real love in my walkman and she was just like listen could you please just calm down the puberty a little bit um and my parents very politely ignored that it was all happening in the front seat and i appreciate them for that so real okay love. so this song is going to bring a mixture of euphoria and slight shame trauma to you then Um, let's have a listen (laughs) real love Mary J Blige
Okay, that's Real Love, Mary J. Blige and Denise Child is here grooving to it. That's your first uh, musical choice today. Yeah. So, was it a, it was a religious house then, was it? You had to be good, did you? Yeah, or, you know, I think it was self-motivated too. Cause yeah? Because there was a bond that happened between me and my family because we travelled continents together and we were making this new life. None of our extended family around us. And there reached a point where we started to rely on each other in like a really profound way uh, for just emotional connection and anchoring in in Ireland. So, yeah, it was it was like a very we're very spiritually driven, very very Christian home. Um, but it was also communal. It was like a way of building our family culture too. Um, it was something that connected us back to Zambia. It was something that connected us back to other black Irish people. Um, and uh, in so doing, I think that there was like one hand, it was like, I want to be really good. But then on the other hand, it's like, I want to be a part of this community in a way that serves people who I really care about. So I was like a worship leader. I'll show you these photos later. Like I'm like nine years old sitting at the top of a church with sheets of like music in my hand. Okay. And it's like an, a congregation of adults and they're all there believing in me to be able to lead them in song for like 15 to 20 minutes. Um, we went to Lucan Presbyterian Church at the time. And um, yeah, I just I just remember being given, being trusted with this this responsibility of being told you can you can lead us in worship and devotion, and I did that from the age of like twelve until I I finished school actually when I was eighteen. But it's about it's a it's about community and about culture for you as much as it was about religion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it was. There was a lot of you know heartrending devotion there too. I think that in twenty twenty four, my relationship with Faith is painfully complicated, actually, and um, it's hard to admit that because I've never been one to be super open about what I feel in that regard. But I, I find that I miss having a, a home um, where I can go to meet people and sing and throw my head back and fellowship and gather and feel assurance and protection because there's a lot of encouragement that exists within these spaces, too. Um, okay. But yeah, it is, it is, it's just really... So do you go back at all? Um, to be honest with you, Brendan, not as often as I'd like to. I think that I've been a bit paralyzed in the realm of faith for the last, gosh, two years. Um, and I don't, know, I don't know exactly what I'm looking for. Uh, I think I'll know when I find it. I think mm. it's becoming easier to sort of like accept that it's okay to have complicated moments in your life when your questions are a bit louder than your comfort. Um, but yeah, I, I think the honest answer to that question is just, I don't know. Okay, mm. okay. So your second choice then is uh, Q-U-E-E-N. It's uh, Janelle Monet and Erica Badu. Why this? This was uh, the beginning of uh, <laughs> fun politics for me. Okay. <laughs> I, I've always been really heady and cerebral, and it's been a long journey trying to teach myself how to laugh, how to be defiant without being disruptive, um, 
like violently to the people who I care about, how to how to take ownership of my voice and my space and my story while making my boundaries and my borders soft enough that I can accept that I don't know everything about the world. And Janelle Monae singing this with Erica Badu was one of the best ways that I could have like flipped my sociology politics degree into like, this is all Judith Butler, it's France Fanon. It's like, it's again, the art of questioning um, and and finding amusement in the questioning and finding yourself uh, dancing along to all of that. Like, I, I feel like the revolution has to feel soft and vulnerable okay. and funny and 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 radically emboldening, you know? So were you quite intense and didactic and kind of, uh, I won't say angry, but you were intense about your politics? Not really, but I, I was I was raised by, you know, two doctors. And that means that, like, when it comes down to what you believe, you have to have an answer for that, uh, whether that's doctrinally speaking or whether that just means you read so that you can back up and make a case for what it is you believe. So if someone makes a better case you know when to stand down and say either I need to do more reading or I I can actually speak back to you and hold my own in this conversation. So um, we were really intellectual, as you can hear, a family yeah. of like analyses as a love language. And I was trying to teach myself, I think, just how to have fun with it too. Okay, so this got you out of your head and... And, and, and dancing and, around the kitchen yeah, with my little brother, okay. yeah. <laughs> okay, okay, here's Janelle Monet and Erica Badu. This is Q-U-E-E-N. This is Denise Chyla's second choice. You were just, you were just getting into it there. You were just going into the breakdown. There's a lot of yeah. dancing in the studio right now. Q U E E N Janelle Monet and Eric Abadu. And what's the politics in that for you? That even if it makes others uncomfortable, I will love who I am. Yeah. Yeah. And have, have you always been able to do that, or is that something no? You I think learn? I think that's that's part affirmation, part aspiration, and part a reminder. You know that like I think we can overcomplicate so many political issues with um, multi-syllabic phrases that sometimes don't even really mean anything. But when you get down to the heart of what it is you believe, I found that what I believe is that there is space for everybody to thrive, not just to survive. I believe that everybody has the right to dignity. I believe that everybody has the right to joy and pleasure. And I believe that sometimes we fear each other's differences to such an extent that we can't we can't find it within ourselves to see the beauty in the change as opposed to the threat in the difference, you know. And I think that if you find yourself uh, anxious and distressed too much and kind of overcomplicating what the, your politics are, like, I feel like coming back to these, like, ground zero places of, like, even if it makes others uncomfortable, I will love you and I will love who I am. And that's going to motivate. That's the seed from which my politics germinates. Yeah. 
Were, were you always able to talk with this fluidity and, and this, like, take complex things and just so... Is that, is that like, what the rapping is? Because it's extraordinary, like. Thank you. I feel like I've made so many embarrassing faux pas and so many conversations in my early life that I had to just have many discussions in my shower with myself about, actually, the next time somebody asks me this thing, let me make sure I know what it is I want to say. <laughs> so this is kind of, like, more practice and anxiety than it would seem it is but I think now it feels more natural to just yeah stop masking and I I think I'm getting a little bit more okay with being a bit weird <laughs> is that it yeah why were you masking I was I've always found it really hard to unveil truth for myself like I feel like I'm a recovering people pleaser to be honest with you okay yeah like I, I think that most of my life I've been concerned with just trying to survive and blend into social experiences but like you look at me and I walk into any room and you'll notice like I'm 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 not gonna go unnoticed and I had to get used to that um so I think that um there was a point in 2018 when I just sort of put down all my burdens and I was like hey it's it's not fun living a life of other people's expectations demanding my attention all the time. Yeah. Um, and I, I taught myself very carefully how to say explicitly what I mean um, and allow the chips to fall where they may because actually I don't think I want any relationship or opportunity in my life if it's not for me and if it's not for this person um, who's like, yeah, thinking and laughing and shining behind my eyes and going, I, I don't think I'm for everybody, but the people who I'm for, I think I'm really, really, really for them. Stop. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Next choice, X Factor by Lauren Hill. I, I think the miseducation of Lauren Hill, it, like I'm a bit old for it. It's a hugely important record to so many people, isn't it? Yeah, it's it's one of the most incredible expressions of like, I mean, just in terms of hip hop, which is like, um, to me, a little more than rap, hip hop is a social movement and it had its like beautiful glory days. Um, and I think that it's evolving into something else. But this moment, this fulcrum at which Lauren made uh, the miseducation is also the point at which like she was frustrating what it meant to be a woman who raps. She was uh, a singer, but she was also an actress. She was extremely, extremely successful in the Sister Act franchise. She was... Um, basically holding her own so powerfully that she was unavoidable, but she was also gentle. And she was also quite young. I think she wrote this record somewhere between the ages of 19 and 21. And I've always admired the tenacity that it takes to survive the music industry, which is predatory by nature, and and come out and stay vulnerable and stay soft. And she's had her issues, and we mock her for lateness, but, you know, I don't think that we give people enough credit for participating in an industry that is sometimes designed to erode your boundaries personally, um, in a gig economy and a personality economy that doesn't provide you with many emotional safety nets for how to conduct yourself, often because you are invested in this as a quite young person with like dreams shining out of your eyes around business people yeah. and you have to learn how to be a business person and I think in this record I have so much love for who she was because she was so emotional and vulnerable and real um it felt it felt like a shot like a pure shot of awe and honesty every time I listened to it okay before we listen to that there's so, so many questions come out of Tell that me. right so um 
firstly, you have you found the music industry very hard, yeah? Yeah, yeah, I have. I have. I, Are you I've, completely alone in one way if you're a solo artist and you're going into this? You're kind of on your own, yeah? Yeah. Yeah. It's it's the most beautiful, most difficult thing I've ever done. You know? Um, I can't give up my dreams. And yet I find myself uh, fighting against unwanted advice every day of my life, uh, which is designed to make me successful, but which is steering me away from the seed of faith and like just softness and and gentle creativity that instigated all of this in the first place. And I feel very powerfully that like no stadium is going to compensate for me losing my joy. Like I, I, I recently learned that the word dream is a verb. It actually comes from a Latin word that means to make music, to sing or to rejoice. Uh, it's not about abstract thinking and aspirational movement. It's about an action that you do. And I want to protect my rejoicing. You know, I think that everybody has a, a rule book for how you're supposed to succeed in this industry. And I just don't agree that we all have to follow it. I think that this can be holistic. I think that this can be nurturing forward. I think that this can be care filled. I think that this can be this can really be wonderful for all of us. Um, and I think that my fatal flaw in this is that I just, I'm not willing to accept anything else. I would, I would honestly rather make music for a hundred people who want to find me in a room and look me in the eye and say, yeah, I, I want to believe in this tiny dream that you have, um, than be at Croke Park again, um, as an empty version of myself, because I'm not so, that. So, so do you think the industry w would wanted to make you into a kind of a commodity or something and felt, OK, we can groom you into a kind of a superstar? Yeah. And you know what? I think that it's it's about process, not product to me. Um, and, and with good intentions, you know, like I, I know that if you want to look at this as a business and you should look at this as a business, there are certain things that you have to do. You know, but like I, I, I found myself receiving advice that was just not right for me as an artist for quite a while um, that was designed to get me to um, to a position where I could have financial stability and I could have emotional stability. Well, <laughs> maybe not emotional stability, <laughs> um, but, you know, I, I, I would have the the glitter and the big heights quite fast, you know, and I just don't trust that. Like, I, I, be, I really believe that sometimes people make you sick to sell you a cure, you know? And I, feel, I really fundamentally believe that I have everything I need to do what I want to do, and that is make music, you know? Not be famous, not make a bunch of money, and that's a word to my team. Sorry, guys. Sorry, guys. But, like, I... And not toughen up either. You no. You know, toughen up and deal with it. You, the if world you is toughen too up, tough. you've, you've ruined it. Exactly. Uh, okay. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. All right. Let's have a listen to Lauren Hill, X Factor. Yeah.
that was Denise Charles her choice <coughs> X Factor by Lauren Hill you, so you're relating to that in a completely different way which is you went I- into yourself and yeah. kind of more soulful and everything yeah. you don't do music like that really though do you not yet. I haven't. Yeah. Um, I'm hoping to next. Is that I, next? Yeah. I've been I've been really working <coughs> on myself. I hope I'm growing. I hope I'm allowing um, this this thing to mature in a way that feels organic and healthy. Uh, but I I I've always related to that to that line, you know, that she sings. You know, tell me who I have to be to gain some reciprocity. Because no one loves you more than me and no one ever will. And I don't know if I'm talking about music or myself or about God or about hope, but I'm talking to something, you know. Have you, <coughs> excuse me, have you held yourself back then musically as well in a sense? I think I haven't believed in myself. I think I've really tried to, like, up until this point, I think that accidentally some of this music has kind of been defensive and I didn't realize that it was. I, 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 I've been writing about what I think, not about what I really feel, you know? And when I realized that, I was like, yo, I have the capacity to be so much more than I'm allowing myself to be. And that's about making sure I have sa- the safety to stay real, to stay vulnerable, to stay soft, you know, to say I'm a hopeful romantic who has the ability to talk to you about all kinds of political issues. And then I'm going to go home and I'm going to write love letters for my friends because that's who I am. I'm going to write and I'm going to blow bubbles in the park and call it meditation because that's where I want to be, you know, throwing wildflower seeds into random trenches and troughs and like bogs in the middle of like Claire, because I want to introduce some color into my life, and I want I want so badly for the things that I touch to be left better than when I when I came there. Just whatever I can offer, I want to offer, and I haven't done much offering to myself, so I'm I'm really trying hard to do that now. So have you you've changed a lot since people might have like it's a couple of years since you put out your own music and yeah. have you you've been in some kind of process in the last year are you still changing a lot yeah yeah i i think that's an eternal project for sure yeah. um but it feels like it's happening quite intensely for you at the moment is it yeah i mean i the loneliness of having my music finally succeed in some meaningful way during covid can't be understated really yeah i went from rooms of like a hundred people to suddenly i'm on a stage in kilmainham and we're doing the like we're back to the world gig and it's thousands of people and i was so keenly aware of how i'd been doing these empty room gigs and i'd been doing things that were like remote and cyber and i i was the person who lived in people's phones and there was an expectation now you know can she do this in real life, can she hold her own? And I felt that, and uh, by the grace of God, I was able to hold my own, <laughs> and I was able to do it a couple times in a couple of different situations. But um, I, I don't think I ever quite recovered from the the rapid frenetic growth that occurred in my career. Um, I, I think that I'm the kind of person who needs a bit of time to process. I do believe that sometimes people can manipulate you by rushing. And I just, I sat down with my parents and I was just like, no, 
I don't want any urgency in my art. I want this to come from a place of peace. Um, so let's take our time. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So are you okay? Are you burnt out? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> I'm both okay and burnt out yeah. at the same time, to be honest. <laughs> Hopefully that's uh, the answer that uh, is the most <clears throat> honest and truthful. <laughs> yeah. But like, you know, it's actually quite nice to stop being anxious about coming on. Like, I, I've been freaking out about coming on your show because for a day or two, I was like, what version of myself should I be? And then I, I had a chat with my sister and she was just like, if you can't look people in the eyes and just be yourself, then what are you doing this for? Like, and I was like, yeah, cool. Uh, so I, I think I have to say thank you. This is a really beautiful conversation and I appreciate your grace. Listen, it's all you. It's all you. <laughs> um, okay, so what we're going to do is it, we're only going to do one more track, I think, because I think it was better to let you talk than, than waste time with music in one way, even though music was the spur for this amazing conversation. So Burna Boy or Maverick City Music as your last choice, do you think? Maverick City Music. Yeah. Okay. Tell yeah. me about this. Okay. Welcome to my little worship leader heart that I left behind a couple years ago. Um, on and on is part of like this gospel thread within me because like, you know what? I I feel like R&B, soul, neo-soul, hip hop, uh, gospel, they all come from the same root of like liberation theory you know like you're singing to get free okay. you're singing to move something inside of your spirit you're singing for encouragement you're singing for strength you're singing for somebody else you're singing because you refuse to stay locked in a particular space right and that is to me the power of like understanding that you can be a political being and you can be a personal being and you can be a powerfully emotional being at the same time as long as you're holding space for your integrity which is just the integration of all of your thoughts and feelings like given dignity to breathe and on and on to me is a song that I listen to when I just need to smile I need I need a little bit of encouragement I need to I need to move um and Maverick City are beautiful because they're not like to me overtly um staying in gospel spaces one of their mission statements is that like if it is good if this is encouraging if this is real it works it works um in an ecumenical way. It works for everybody. You know what? There's a load of people listening now who are thinking, well, she's talking about the Holy Spirit. Yeah. You know, <laughs> like there's a load of Irish Catholics thinking, yeah, the Holy Spirit. Like, yeah. Do that. <laughs> you know? Okay. Yeah. But you know, I, so I, it I is completely ecumenical. So look, we, we, <laughs> we'll, we'll finish up with it in a second. Uh, yeah. Just before you go, um, you're playing at St. Patrick's Festival. It's The gig is called The Sheila and a Gig. That's on Sunday, March 17th. Yeah. Yes. Yes. What is it? It is me um, sitting down in all of my Afrobeats and all of these like liberation dream theories and trying to marry them with trad and what I love about Ireland. And I'm bringing everybody who I can possibly think of. I've been inviting strangers on trains to this gig because I believe something really beautiful is going to happen that night. They have me in Collins Barracks and the anthropology part of my brain is like, okay, I get to be a black woman singing my heart out in Collins Barracks on St. Patrick's Day telling you that I am here and I'm Irish and I'm not going anywhere. And I I cannot explain the kind of amused, mischievous gratitude that I have uh, about what's about to go down there. So you should come. <laughs> okay. I have a wall of texts here. Uh, like people, I'm not normally one for texting radio shows to this person. Just want to say her outlook so impressive and refreshing. Breathtaking. I'm riveted by her. More honest than we're able for. She's so lovely. What an extraordinary person. Are you embarrassed? What an incredible young person. Balance of intelligence 
nuance and humour I could listen to all day brilliant and loads of emotional stability to be able to talk like that what a thinker what a speaker magnificently articulate person um Go girl, well done for your clear <laughs> openness and speaking. That's from Claire. Hugely uplifting. Great to hear her today. Uh, what a lovely, honest person. Um, <clears throat> on and on and on. Denise Chilet, thank you so much. Thank, thank you, you so much. And we'll finish up, so we'll take it back to church yeah. to, to finish up. Here's uh, On and On by Maverick City Music. Thanks, Denise. Thank you so much. <laughs>